Good morning, family! I'm your host, Pastor Luke, and here's your host, Pastor Todd! Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Family Feud. We have a great game planned for you today. And today you're probably wondering, who are our contestants? Well, they're so excited about this. They just are overflowing with joy. So let's put our hands together for our contestants, Travis and Heather Nush. So the Nushes would only be appropriate to have them compete against... Patty and George Nushes, step right up. You know, it's so good to see you folks. Man, that's a nice, nice striped shirt. So tell me about your family. Speaking of the mic. You can turn it off. Well, this is my wife, and we have three daughters. Awesome. Uh, Mia, Sayla, and Josie. Awesome. Well, welcome to Family Feud. We're blessed to have them. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your family. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, that was down there, not me. <laughs> Did I hear somebody say something from the audience? <laughs> okay. I know. So tell us a little bit about your family. Well, we've been married for 26 years. We have Three sons and three grandchildren and two daughters-in-law. Praise the Lord. There you go. Well, all right. Let's, so let's get this game started. And uh, so we need to find out which one of you are actually going to come up for the challenge. So out of the you two and you two, which one would like to come forward for the challenge this morning? Go ahead. All right. If you'll stand here. We bought these fancy buzzers. And uh, so you'll stand here. Please... Uh, Face the pig. Sideways. Do we hit it? You do hit it. All right. There you go. So we demonstrate. Okay. And, uh, yes, we've never done this before here at, at uh, Family Feud, but this is the first time here at New Hope Agri, and we're, we're really excited. We surveyed 100 people, and the top answer is on the board. Okay, here we go. So, what did Adam and Eve eat that caused sin? Apple. Is apple on the board? Sorry, apple is not on the board. What survey did 100 people and the top... Oh, what did Adam and Eve eat that caused sin? Well... <laughs> Strike number two. All right, head back to your, your positions here and we'll. <laughs> it was a fruit. All right, we'll let the nooshes go. It was the forbidden fruit. So. Hey, we pastors know how to throw everybody off, don't we? There's nowhere in Scripture that it says it was an apple. So we're just teaching you the Bible here this morning, all right?
right, here we go. So since the Nushes has won round number one, we are going to ask them. And when we surveyed 100 people and the top five answers are on the board, name something you associate with Eve from the Bible. Name something you associate with Eve from the Bible. Temptation. Temptation. Is temptation on the board? My production crew is we're having some problems back there in the uh, in the camera room, right? Oh, this is what makes this fun. All right, so exactly, snake and sin was on the board. <laughs> we knew the temptation would be up there. All right, so since you answered the first one, we're gonna let Patty answer the second one. Name something you associate with Eve from the Bible. This is the first mother. The first mother. Is it on the board? Oh, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to go over here to this crew. You do, not in this game. Advertisement was way too much money because the Browns and all of them are playing, so we can't afford a million dollars a second. All right. Name something you associate with Eve from the Bible. Rib. Is rib on the board? I'm sorry. We're going to go back over here to this team, the Nusha's team. Name something you associate with Eve from the Bible. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this must be a mature PG audience. <laughs> what, was, <laughs> what was associated with Adam and Eve? What was associated with Eve from the Bible? Would the audience like to help? Let's see if the audience can help. Adam! They win round number one. So we'll give it up for the Nushuses. All right, let's see what answers up on the board for number two. Apple. Number five, garden. Okay. That was in the beginning. So this is a whole other round. So I know we just figured because people associate it. Are we having fun yet in church? Okay. So, all right. <laughs> all right. Round number two. And uh, we'll have, we'll come right over here to the, to the uh, niches. All right. We surveyed 100 people, and the top four answers are on the board. Name something you associate with Joseph from the Bible. Joseph from the Bible. Name something you associate with Joseph. Don't listen to the audience. Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph from the Old Testament. Okay, go ahead. Audience is helping. What did you have? Let's see if the coat of many colors are up there. Top number one answer. And 52 people said coat. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Name something you associate with Joseph from the Bible. Dream. Dream. Let's see. All right. Top number two answer. 
27 people said dream. This, this crew's doing very well over here, Nushasis. And uh, so, so your winnings, who do they go to? Um, what is your um, charity of, of choice? <laughs> My daughter's college fund. <laughs> My daughter's college fund. All right, that's what we're looking for. Okay, so num- name something you associate with Joseph from the Bible. Brothers. Brothers. There it is, man. You're just going right down through there. Thirteen people surveyed that brothers, ten brothers to be exact. Okay, and now let's see if you will win all Four. You're up to 561 points. Is the audience excited? Okay. Name something you associate with Joseph from the Bible. If you don't get it, then we're going to have to go over to the Nusha's family. Old Testament? (laughs) Old Testament. Let's see if it's up there. I am so sorry for your wisdom. Over here to the Nusha's family. All right. Name something you associate with Joseph from the Bible. He was sold into slavery. Sold into slavery. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what is number four? And it is pit or hole. Yes. Let's give a round of applause for both winners. It is now tied. And this is the end of our show. So we're so blessed to So we just ask that the nooshes and the nooshes and the nooshes. There's prizes back on the the sound booth. Go see our production manager and moderator, Tester Luke. You may be seated. Make sure you guys grab a prize, okay? They want the milk duds, huh? And, uh, oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, this month I thought, well, we'll just do something different. And we went all out to do something really different. So um, because your pastor has obsessive compulsive disorder, let's make sure things are uniform around here, okay, so I can preach without distractions. Just kidding. Anyhow, here's here's that. If you would, please, we're going to be looking in the Old Testament. Take your Bible, if you would, please, real quick, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, verse 19. Proverbs eighteen nineteen. Here's what the scriptures have to say. Now, I realize that many of us know what the scriptures have to say. Matthew 18, we've practiced offenses. We've practiced differences with people, how to deal with them. Go, go to them one-on-one, take a witness, bring it before two or three witnesses, and then go before the church. I also like what it says in there, if thy brother offends thee, um, make sure that... Uh, you know, you go to them and you deal with it because if you don't, here's what ends up happening. And, uh, and please do not miss next week as uh, we'll go into another game show. So for this whole month, it'll be different game shows. But Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, are we there? Why am I in Matthew? All right. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. In the King James Version, it reads like this. I think. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. 
and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Isn't that sad? It's very, very sad to think that when you look at that scripture verse, that it really, really demonstrates just what offenses will do in light of dealing with people. That's what King Solomon's way of saying that family feuds are among the most painful things in life. It's true, isn't it? After all, if you get into arguments or offenses or disagreements with your friends, you can take comfort that at least you don't have to live with them. If you don't like the way your coworkers treat you, you can always find a different job. But if you can't get along with your family, life will be a drag because you can't just change families. And I am more convinced today that Satan, as Brother Steve said in our discipleship class, the deceiver, the deceptor, the accuser, the liar, is out to bring offenses to even people and churches. And you know what they do? It's exactly what he said this morning. I'm mad and I'm out of here. And yet we understand what the Bible has to say about offenses and yet we don't deal with them. So we feud and we feud with our families and we feud with our loved ones and we feud in marriages. It happens all the time. And then when the scripture has to say in Proverbs 18, that if a brother is offended, it is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Why is it that Satan comes in and he deceives? And he's so deceptive to manipulate and to make you think, oh, look what he did, what she did. Why do we never look at ourselves? How can I change? What can I do that's different? Because he transforms himself as an angel of light. And when he does that, then he comes in, and that's when relationships and marriages and friendships are broken. If disagreements, harsh words, and even physical abuse have torn apart your family, I know that our story of Joseph brings hope. Through Joseph's actions, God teaches us how to end family feuds. He says we do this by forgiving what has been done and by foreseeing what God has planned. In the month of November, you heard me say, I'm going to be preaching a message called, What is Your Destiny? What are you destined for? Where are you going? What, what is your role in the church? Now, and putting aside the church, let's talk about what is our role In the body of believers. If you have a role and God has called you, then fulfill your calling and allow God to start to groom you, to mold you, to make you to be like him. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. And yet my desire is to truly live a life that is honorable and admirable before God the Father. So let's turn, if you would, please, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, and I won't take a lot of time today because we were interrupted by family feud. 
But I want you to at least leave with some hope, with some assurance, and some comfort knowing that when you deal with things the right way, you're on the right side of the battle. And that God loves you. And he cares for you and he wants you to be a part of what he's doing. Let us pray. Father, bless this morning's message. Help us, encourage us, and just lead us, Lord, as we open up your word to understand it. And understand, Lord, to find favor with God is better than finding favor with man. Oh God, we have yielded. We have bowed our knee. We have not taken a stand for righteousness. We've not lived a life, Lord, that is honorable and admirable. Father, would you please just help us to walk worthy of your counsel. Bless your word today. Hide me behind the cross. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Joseph was one of the twelve sons of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. And as the firstborn of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, Joseph was daddy's favorite little buddy. He was daddy's favorite little son. The other boys may have been able to put up with their father's favoritism, but they couldn't deal with their brother's habit of bragging. You see, Joseph claimed, and you heard it this morning by the Nush family, that he claimed to have received dreams in which his brothers and parents bowed down to him. And then the dreams were real, but so was the hatred Joseph's brothers felt for him. One day when Joseph's brothers were taking care of their father's sheep, they spotted spotted Joseph coming towards them. And as they grumbled about him, their jealousy turned to murderous rage. And before they knew it, they had hatched a plan to take Joseph's life and to kill him. So if you would, please, let's just go right into verse 18 as we start to read the word this morning. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now, I always find it so interesting when I look at the scripture, because when I think of the word conspired, it means that it was premeditated. It was thought out, and it was something that they had to really, you know, wrap their mind around and their heart around. And ready for this? Their will. So those brothers willed in their heart to conspire or to do something against their brother. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And I love what it says, because in some interpretations, I love the word dreamer because it says he's the master of dreams. So we'll continue to keep going here. And... uh, Come now, in verse 20, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. Jealousy creates animosity. Jealousy creates animosity. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. 
And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm. Now, understand that the Ishmaelites were, they were merchants. They were nomadic merchants. And so as they were traveling through, they noticed that they were coming towards where they were at. And I will continue to read. And myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt in verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, before I go any further, I, I need to, I think, explain something to you. Every time in the Old Testament, if there's a correlation or a relationship, Egypt is looked at like the world. So let me see. If God be for us, who shall be against us? Right? So we realize that the world is against us. The children of Israel were in what? In bondage. They were in captive, captivity. And so here they were, and, and it says that, you know, they brought him up out of the pit. Now, if I back up, and this isn't in my message, but I think I need to share this this morning. I believe that the Lord's leading this. When we go down to something or we go away from something, what happens when you go away from something? So say I'm walking away from the pulpit, and if there was a mic on there, what would happen if I started walking away from it? You couldn't hear me, right, because of the distance. Right. And so it's the same way with the Lord. Oftentimes we don't realize that in our life, when we live a life that's walking with the council, which walking with God and he's blessing us, we realize that I noticed right there that these merchantmen were sent there by God. I really do. I believe that they were positioned to be right there at that time to get them Get him out of there. Even though we realize that the brothers were, uh, you know, scamming and scheming and conniving themselves. But I noticed that in the scriptures when it said the pit. How many of you ever felt like you were in a pit? You know, we all use that in our English language. We say the word pit because it makes us feel like lo lonely and, and alienated and by ourselves. I just feel like I'm in the dumps today. I feel like I'm in a pit today. We've all heard that that was spoken as well. And so when I look at this, I think to myself, it says he went down into the pit. Now, I also I can correlate what Scripture has to say in Psalms 23. You know, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because we realize that God is with us and he's walking with us. So even though we're in the pit, we know that he's there. But I was kind of correlating the two. And I don't want to take things out doctrinally, just throw that in there. But what I want to say is here is that I believe that what was taking place was he went down into the pit because the scriptures say, and I circled it in my Bible, up. One time I was doing a study and I thought, well, this is interesting because he came up. Now, watch the correlation. When we get baptized, ready? We're baptized in the likeness of his death. We are raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. So old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Do I hear an amen? 
So even though we're buried, we're now alive as we walk in Christ. Man, that's profound. So we have to realize that as soon as he came out, that I really believe that if you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph was always saying, and don't misinterpret, it's not Joseph of the New Testament, it's Joseph of the Old Testament. But Joseph found favor, and the scripture says that, with God. He found grace, and he found love, and he found power, he found life, and then the story starts to unfold as we watch, as he walks, even though he's with the Ishmaelites, he's now walking in newness. And I love that when we walk in Christ, we're walking in the newness. But you see what Satan does is he comes into our life, brother and sister, and he, he puts us back in that pit. See, in the pit, we feel like there's no victory. But when we get pulled up out of that pit, we look back and we already won. And see, that's where God starts to work in the life of Joseph. Even though they took the coat, even though we understand that they're getting ready to tell a story that was not truthful to their father, but because jealousy harbored within their spirit and they didn't have the nerve to sit down with daddy and say, listen, we're very jealous of our brother. They should have just stopped and says, but aren't you so thankful? And, and this is what dad could have said. Aren't you glad he's anointed? He tells dreams. He sees things that we don't see. And I use him. You know, our father uses Joseph. Makes me think of my own life. You know, sometimes I have a, a woe is me attitude. And I feel like sometimes when I'm in the pits, I'm like, oh. Yeah, here I go again. Why me, Lord? And I realize he's always there. He'll never leave me. He'll not forsake me. He's always there because he cares for us. We have stepped away. We got to come back into fellowship with him. But know this, that God is there. He sees, he knows. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He cares for you because he knows everything about you. The Bible even says he knows the hairs. How many of them on, are on your head? And for some, you might have less than others, but he still knows. And for some, you might have a ton. But either way, God's still with you. So where was I at in the Scripture? I always love that because I don't have a 28. Thank you. So it says there, then there passed Midianites merchantmen, and it says he was lifted up, and they bought him out with 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful? Why is there always just one or two brothers that are the confidants that they confide with that one brother, while the rest of them are running around like wild Indians, just out of control. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not an eye, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. 
And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt. He is torn into pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. <sighs> Thankfully, two brothers helped him out. Reuben and Judah intervened. They persuaded their brothers to sell Joseph into slavery instead. And so Joseph was sent off to Egypt while Father Jacob was led to believe that his favorite son had been killed by a wild animal. Now in Egypt, Joseph faithfully served the captain of the palace guard until he was falsely accused of sexual harassment. Now let's go to you know, um, Genesis 39 and I want to read to you verses 1 through 9. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had bought, brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord was with him. And I love that. You can underline that in your Bible. You can start, highlight it, you know, get crazy, and just, I mean, because I love that. The Lord was with him. And so he's acknowledging and identifying his relationship that he had. And that the Lord, remember that's capital L, made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace. Joseph found favor in his sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from... From that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught what he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Let me continue. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master uh, wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against He was imprisoned, yet he found favor. And there he languished for over two years before Pharaoh turned to Joseph for help in interpreting his dreams. With God's help, Joseph explained the meaning of Pharaoh's dream and was elevated to second in command, a position he used to oversee Egypt's food distribution. I want you to look to the person next to you. Take your hand and go like this. You are blessed. 
when I look back at this scripture, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you highly favored? Are you a goodly person? Are you a godly person? Do you live a life that, that you know that people look at you and they say, man, she walks with God. And he talks with God. Like the old song. And when you know that you have found favor with God, it doesn't matter what the enemy does. Because you know what? You're already a winner. You're already on the Lord's side. You're in the Lord's army. And that's what is so exciting about this story. He says, hey, hold on a minute. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because I am found in the good favor of Almighty God. He got excited. He didn't care what she had to say. He's going to go in that prison cell. He's going to stay there for two years. And he's going to say, eh, it doesn't matter. I don't need to do anything with his wife. You know why? Because I am a good person and I don't care what someone says about me. I don't care what they say, what they do, how they try to break down my character, how they try to lie about me and my position at work, how they try to make up rumors in the church, how they try to not follow authority, no matter what it is. Guess what? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. See, Joseph knew that. And here's where I think we need to start walking. I found favor with God. I have found favor with God. I have found favor with God. And when we wake up in the morning, we swing around and say, you know what? Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for my sins. I have found favor in him. Because I believe on the name of the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. And even in his life, he knew who he was in God. And he knew where his relationship was. And, and he so desired to be found in, in the favor. You know, when I look at this story, and we'll continue to keep going, but when I look at this story, I think to myself, man, you know, all this stuff is starting to unfold, and then we go right into reconciliation. It was under these circumstances that Joseph came face to face with his brothers once again. Famine had forced Joseph's brothers to come to him to Egypt for food. And when Joseph saw that his brothers, he recognized them immediately, but they did not recognize Joseph. And let me tell you something, church. If you're actually walking in the Lord, you'll you'll recognize what the world looks like. But if you're walking with the enemy, then you'll never recognize what's going on in the Lord's work. Think about it. So... He recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. I won't go into it for sake of time this morning, but that's found in Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 9. And he reconciles his relationship. You see, when Joseph did reveal his true identity, how do you think his brothers felt? Do you think they were overjoyed to see him? Not at first. At first they were scared. For the brother they had hated and treated poorly, now... He had the resource of the Egyptian army to take revenge. Is that what Joseph had in mind for his brothers? No. Already at their first reunion, Joseph put an end to the family feud when he forgave his brothers for what they had done. Jesus didn't just tell, let me flip my notes, them they were forgiven, he showed. He showed it by caring for his brothers and their families by giving them food and a place to live. You know what's sad? 
You can go to people in the church and I could say, Brother Ron, I love you. Travis, I love you. We're here to care for you. We'll feed you. But sometimes it's never enough. In your family, you can go to your family and you can really express, I love you and I am here for you. I can't always provide for you, but I'm here for you in prayer and through help. I've got some hands and some feet. But even with his brothers, because I really believe that the guilt that was on them and over them and they were in bondage to the enemy, that they could not understand and they were not convinced. They thought that this was all part of Joseph's plan to take back revenge on them when they least expected it. See, isn't that the way the world thinks? A tit for tat. You do that to me, I'm going to do it to you. See, that's what Satan wants us to believe. And wait a minute. But I thought we were just talking about a guy who said he was a goodly person. That he found favor with God. So then he says, wait a minute, there is no, there's no revenge. There's no, I'm going to get back. I want to reconcile with my brothers. And so when their father died years later, the brothers thought for sure the time had come for Joseph to plot his revenge upon learning that his brothers still doubted his forgiveness. Joseph says in the scriptures, Joseph wept. He cried. And here's what Joseph said. Don't be afraid. I'm in the place of God. Don't be afraid. I'm in the place of God. Joseph had no plans for revenge because he knew that only God had the right to do that. Therefore, when we take revenge, even if that's giving another the cold shoulder, we are playing out God. Understand your role and understand your place, is what Joseph was saying. Friends, if you want to play God, then start by forgiving people. When we forgive, we do so at God's command and serve as God's voice of love. John chapter 20, verse 23, for God is love. Forgive and end the feuds in your family and forgive right now. Now, I preached a message once it was called forgive to be free. We need to forgive to be free. Man, Satan wants us to so bad to, to, to not go forward. We must forgive. Forgive and ends the feuds in your family. He forgave his brothers before they even recognized him. I ask you this morning to extend forgiveness with a lifetime guarantee as Joseph did. Don't say to one another, I forgive you, but you never do that again. The kind of forgiveness Joseph extended is forgiveness God himself has shown us. God forgave us before we even asked for forgiveness. He forgave us by punishing his son for our sins over 2,000 years ago. You see, it wasn't just the Jewish leader's jealousy of Jesus and Pilate's cowardliceness that pinned our Savior to the cross. It was the weight of our desire for revenge against one another and our refusal to let go of grudges that pushed the nails through his hands and through his feet. God not only forgave us for these and all sins before we asked, he forgives us forever. God forgiveness comes with a lifetime. No, a forever time guarantee because the one who died for our sins is more than human. He is God's son from eternity. So everything he accomplished for us extends into eternity. Since our great debt of sin has been canceled forever, Jesus calls us to do the same for one another. 
Matthew chapter 18, it talks about the one that gave in verses 21 through 35. And he says, I'm going to forgive you of your debt. But that one young man decided, I'm not going to forgive that debt of the one that borrowed from me. For you owe me. Lock him up. And as the story goes, Jesus said, bring him to me. If you cannot forgive your brother's trespasses, I will not forgive you. Man, we just hold on to grudge after grudge after grudge. But you see, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't even know the pain I've endured at the hands of family members. You don't know how hard it is to forgive them. You're right. I don't know the pain that you've endured. But I wonder if it compares to the pain Joseph experienced. His brothers hated him so much they almost killed him. Sure, they spared his life and sold him into slavery instead. But I wonder if there weren't days like the time he was accused of sexual harassment and thrown into prison when Joseph wished his brothers had done him in. If you're, a bit, if you're bitter at family, know that Joseph had as much reason, if not more reason, to be bitter against his family. But you see, he wasn't. Why wasn't he bitter? Why not? Joseph wasn't bitter because he saw the bigger picture. He saw what God had worked in spite of his brother's sins. You see, even Joseph explained in chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, you meant it for evil, but God. Isn't that just a wonderful thought? We can just park it right there. I love that we serve a good God. And that he loves us. God had given Joseph the faith to see how he allowed everything in Joseph's life to happen so that he would be put in a position of authority to help his family and others through famine. No, Joseph was not excusing his brother's sin, but he had come to see how God used those sins and all the difficulties he had suffered as a result of them for his benefit. And in the same way, God has promised to work everything in our lives, including our painful experiences caused by the sins of family members to work for our good. Romans eight twenty eight. Therefore, we will end family feuds and keep from holding grudges when we foresee what God has planned for us in spite of our painful experiences. Although on the inside, on the side of heaven, we may never learn exactly how all the painful things we experience add up to our good and our good, good Father. That's God's promise. When you doubt that promise, Think of this illustration. And as I close, I just want to read this illustration because when I read it, I thought, I've got to share this with the church. Because it's so befitting for all of us. And so when I conclude, I want you to think about your own life. When you say, oh God, I can't be used. Man, look at all my flaws. Let me tell you something. I've realized something this week. That in my imperfections, 
God is always perfecting me. That in my perfections, that all I want Him to say, if someone were to write a book, they would say, He's a goodly person. He's a goodly. And if we all examined our hearts and our lives and understand that where we came from to where we're going to, that if we just said, Oh God, take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, for me. A boy came home from school disgusted with how things were going. He complained to his grandma about his friends, his teachers, his coaches, and even about his bicycle. When he finished, grandma asked her grandson if some delicious cake would cheer him up. Of course it would, Grandma. The boy agreed. So Grandma put a raw egg, some flour, and some baking soda in front of the boy and told him to eat up. He said, what? Why would he want to eat any of those things? Why would anyone want any of those things? They were yucky. Indeed, they were yucky by themselves, but when mixed together, they helped make a delicious When we look at the bad things that have happened to us outside the context of God's promises, we can only see them as yucky. Through faith, however, we will see them for what they are. The ingredients to a beautiful life God is cooking up for us. The ingredients to a beautiful life God is cooking up for us. New Hope, Akron, God is with us, and God is for us. He loves what you're doing. He loves your heart for the Nepali Fellowship, for the Hispanic Fellowship, as much as they love us for what we're doing. Because you see, all together, we're all accomplishing one goal. And that's to be kingdom-minded and to bring people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When the Bible says a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Wow. That's a profound proverb. No, family feuds aren't fun, so why not end them? Forgive what has been done and foresee the good God has planned in spite of the heartache you've experienced. In the feuds today, for God also said through Solomon, there is joy for those who promise peace. I love this song. Jesus is our cornerstone. And if we build our life on the Lord Jesus Christ, wow, there's so much hope. Will you forgive someone today? Will you let go and let God do a great work in you? Stop the family feud and reconcile and understand what your true purpose is. You see, the children of Israel, they were in bondage. And God delivered them. And they still questioned as Moses parted the Red Sea, 
Should we go or should we not? Because their faith wavered. Has your faith wavered? Oh. As he increases, God help us to decrease. Let us stand together as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Father, help us to live a life, Lord, that will forgive. Lord, help us to be free. Help us to walk with you. Lord, in our life, so many of us have had obstacles and hardships that have come our way. But, oh God, we know you're with us. You're walking with us. So, Lord, use us and fashion us to be like you and less like this world. Lord, you are honored and glorified. And as we come to you this morning, Lord, we give you our hearts, our souls, our mind, our emotions, our pride. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Would you come this morning?